Hoffman loses control of the puck and goes to the far board. Here's Gerald with a turnaround shot deflected to the backboard on the left side. Martin pokes it out in front. O'Shea, a shot and a goal! Welcome to A Shot and a Goal, part of the On the Air Podcast Network. Episode 18 in your ear on this Friday, if you're listening to it on time. This is A Shot and a Goal, a podcast about hockey broadcasters. My name is Jake Baskin. As I'm recording this on Thursday night, I've just watched part of an MLB Network show chronicling the career and great calls of Vin Scully. I'm watching it with my dad, who grew up a fan of the Brooklyn Dodgers, and is enjoying this just as much as I am. Future episodes of the series, The Sounds of Baseball, have been hinted at involving Jack Buck, Harry Carey, and Bob Euchre. I know it's probably unlikely, but I'd like to see a hockey piece of a similar theme if they can make one. I'd personally most like to hear about Dan Kelly, but some other obvious choices include Bob Cole, Danny Galvin, Foster Hewitt, Doc Emmerich even. No matter who they were covering, though, I'd be the first to tune in. Now, time for a story involving today's guest. In December of 2017, I was 21 years old and had only a desire to become a hockey broadcaster, with no actual experience in the field or formal knowledge of how to do play-by-play, and certainly not color commentary. Seth Dussault invited me to come up to American International College to do color for a game against Mercyhurst. It was the first formal broadcast I'd ever been on, and I'm not sure if I was good or not, but I'll say it was very satisfying and fun to be a part of. This past season... I did another game with him as AIC hosted Providence back in January. I had broadcasting experience by that point, but that was still only the second time I'd ever done color. I've known Seth for quite some time, so it was only natural I get him on the podcast. Most of my guests at this point I've never actually met in person before, the exceptions all being covered in the first eight episodes, so I was glad to change it up and talk to someone I actually knew. He's a young guy. If he's 30 at this point, he's only recently reached it. But he learned the game of hockey on radio, a rarity for this generation that I really respect, and he's just as big of a broadcasting nerd as I am. I hope you enjoy listening to Seth as much as I always do. This is Seth Dussault from American International College in Springfield, Massachusetts, on episode 18 of A Shot and a Goal. And Wickers eventually up the boards, can't get it out though, Yaks. Shielding, holding, Yaks away from Anderson. His pass deflects back to himself. Giannis Yaks putting on a show. Back to the point bomb to Yaks. One-timer score! Teed up and buried by JJ. Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of A Shot and a Goal. My guest wanted this to be the Denny Savard episode. I'm thinking more of the Serge Savard episode, but from American International College, my first broadcast partner, Seth Dussault. How's it going, Seth? Jake, it's going fantastic. It's, it's funny, I, when you, uh, you mentioned that, I, I had to look. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. I knew one of them was 18. But, I had to look to see which one it was, and of course, both of them were 18. Right. So, so it, it can be both. And both did the Spinorama, too. Oh, yeah. So what have you been up to during this time off? A lot of things, uh, some sports-related and some not. Um, a friend of mine owns a print shop, and so I've been uh, helping helping with that a little bit and also been participating and actually doing 
keeping league-wide stats for Andrew Ember, uh, the PA announcer for the Florida Panthers, does a simulated baseball league using dice rolls to uh, have different outcomes for each plate appearance. And so I've been tracking the stats. Actually, they're just announcing the all-star rosters as we've reached midseason. So how old were you when you decided you wanted to be a play-by-play announcer? I was still in diapers, let's put it that way. Um, You know, I watched sports on TV, and even as a little kid, I'd always do my own play-by-play. My mom used to to have to yell at me to tell me to quiet down because she could hear me in the other room. I'd be doing it, whether it was football or hockey or, or baseball, whatever. And so... It's something that I've kind of always wanted to do from from the very beginning, and very fortunately, I've been able to actually do it. What made you want to, do you think? Or did you really just answer that question, and I just don't know how to properly word it? (laughs) I I don't know. Um, You know, I never – the only sport I ever, like, formally played, organized in any way, I was a five-year-old playing soccer for one year. And so a lot of my family members played sports. My cousins all played, you know, my, my oldest cousin, Kristen, played softball. Um, those were some of the first sporting events I ever actually attended were her softball games. Um, my cousins played football, other cousins played football. Um, I'm not athletic. I've never been that coordinated. And this, you know, this was something that I could be involved in in a way to be part of the team kind of thing. Um, without having to actually be out on the field. Um, so all of those kinds of things, whether it was helping with the scorebook or wanting to be a broadcaster, was just from, I think, that desire that everybody has, especially when you're younger, to be competitive and be a part of it if you like sports. But knowing that I wasn't going to be able to do it with a bat or a stick in my hand, this was a way to be involved. Yes, I suffer from that same predicament of loving sports but not being any good at them. Yeah, I, I joke. You, you've heard the expression two left feet. I have two right ones." Hmm. I get that. Who are the biggest influences on the way you call games? Well, I mean, I grew up a Whalers fan, so the the first the first and foremost answer, and this is probably not a secret to anybody who knows me, is Chuck Caton, a an autographed poster of whom hangs in my bedroom. Um, you know, I grew up. You know, obviously when the Whalers left. You know, I was eight years old, and so eight-year-olds don't have really the ability to be jaded the way a lot of the adults uh, were about it and how they uh, people in Connecticut and Western Massachusetts tend to feel about the Hurricanes now that they're no longer in Western New England. Um, you know, I just thought, oh, look, my team's got new uniforms. And I had always listened to the games on the radio and then even online – um, because the NHL has, for a very long time, has put their the NHL. You could listen to NHL radio online. So I grew up listening to Chuck Caton. So you know he's somebody that I look up to. I've gotten to meet him a few times, which has been uh, really fantastic. But that's definitely a number one. And then obviously, you know, growing up listening or growing up living in Massachusetts, you know, obviously Don Orsillo when he was the Red Sox play-by-play guy on Nesson and Jerry Remy with him. You know, obviously watched a lot of Jack Edwards, Doc Emmerich doing the national broadcast, people like that. But I would say Chuck is first and foremost on that list. About the Whalers-Hurricanes thing, I grew up a Thrashers fan. I was 
14 when they moved, and I had no connection to Atlanta. I just rooted for them for reasons that are too long to explain. But my thing when they moved to Winnipeg was, screw the Jets. I don't feel this way anymore, but as a teenager, I was never going to root for the Jets as long as I lived, unless I got hired by them, in which case. But that's interesting that you stuck with the team. When they moved, I was a little too young to even think like that. Like I said, you don't meet too many jaded eight-year-olds. Just as you know, just as the way little kids are. And of course, I think it also helped too that the you know they had the first year in Carolina, and then Ron Francis signed there. And even I never really, I never got to watch Francis play for the Whalers live because obviously he was traded. I was two years old. Uh, when he went to Pittsburgh, but I knew the name and I knew the importance of that name. And so, you know, him going there and then obviously three years after that, they're in the Stanley cup final, that, that magical 2002 run. And I have, I still have, he's one of my favorite players. I have an Eric Cole Jersey. Um, he played obviously on that team. He's the one who scored the, Tying goal in the miracle at Molson up in Montreal when they came back from down 3 nothing in the third. Ended up winning that series the first time that the franchise had ever beaten Montreal in a playoff series. So, I mean, and even then, I was still only 14 years old. You're not all that much older than me, and my generation isn't really listening to sports on the radio anymore. And for me, it didn't really start until I was in high school listening to hockey on the radio, but you listen to hockey on the radio from an early age and sports on the radio in general. What made you gravitate toward that side? Availability. Um, my family didn't have a lot of money growing up. I mean, you know, we always had dinner on the table and clothes on our backs and a roof over our head, but it's not like we could have afforded, you know, an NHL network package. So the fact that I could listen to the games online for free, that was, I mean, that was it. It was that or nothing. And obviously you're going to take, you're going to take what you can get when you love hockey as much as I did. And, um, and obviously having somebody like a Chuck Caton, who is so very good at what he does, uh, to listen to makes it so much better, you know? So that was just kind of the way that I had it. I mean, you know, I'd get to see them play three, maybe four times a year when they played the Bruins and it was on Nesson. And even then, most of the time, I would watch the games, but I would mute them and I would still have Chuck on. How did you end up choosing AIC for school? You know, it's funny. You want to, um, I grew up 20 minutes from AIC in East Hampton, Massachusetts, just, you know, just in Hampshire County, just over the county line. Had never heard of AIC until my senior year of high school. I'm talking to my chemistry teacher, a man by the name of Sean Sheehan, great guy. Um, and I mentioned I'd applied to UMass and I had applied to Western or uh, Westfield State. And he says, have you checked out AIC? And I go, huh? And he says, yeah, that's where I went and did my undergrad. And I said, okay, I'll humor you. So I went down there. They did a campus tour, fell in love with it. It just, it just clicked. It felt right. And by the end of the tour, I turned to my stepfather and I said, this is where I want to go. And that was it. Like, it really was that easy. So it's, it was a sort of love at first sight thing. Like, when you know, you know. And I knew. As I understand, you kind of 
started the school sports broadcasting program when you were a student there. How did you get the school in on it? I don't know that I would say that I started it necessarily. Um, a big part of it was at the time they uh, had the radio station, 91.9 FM was actually, WAIC was under the school's control and they did football, basketball, hockey, baseball, softball on the radio. And it was something that I wanted to do. So of course my first day, being 18 years old and bold, I walk in and I say, I want to do this. And it happened, I got lucky that they had just graduated a bunch of people the, the prior spring, so they needed help. So it was like, okay, cool, you're you're on, you're doing, uh, you're doing the football game this Saturday. And it was just like, whoa, I was expecting, you know, to be doing grunt work, not going straight on the air. But there it was, I just, it never hurts to ask. And that's kind of how, you know, and I didn't even know when I got to AIC that their ice hockey team was Division One because I didn't know they had a team because I didn't know they existed. And so, you know, they, you know, Professor Hughes, who was the head of the comm department at the time, quickly found out my love for hockey. So I was, you know, put on the hockey broadcast doing color commentary with one of the few returning broadcasters. But uh, it to me it was like we travel with football, we travel with basketball, we have Division One hockey, and we don't travel to do the road games for them. So persistence again, it was all the time I was pestering Professor Hughes, let's travel with them, let's do their road games for hockey. Come on, like this is a huge thing for the school. And my sophomore year, it kind of worked out. Uh, we played UMass at UMass, and I went into Professor Hughes's office, and I'll never never forget thinking this is either going to work or he's going to fire me for being so obstinate. But I said, we don't have a single game on the radio tonight or tomorrow night. We're at UMass. Let's put this on. Like, what reason can you give me not to do this? And he looked at me and then he kind of shook his head. And then he goes, you know what? I can't give you one. Let's do it. And so that was it. And then we later on, our last regular season game was a conference game. It was West at West Point. We went down there. We did that one, too. We did the playoff game that we played out at Holy Cross. I'll still never forget that heartbreak, losing one nothing in overtime on a bad line change. Um, but after that, we started doing every hockey game. And we started picking up. They started web streaming my junior year, 2000, uh, 2009. So the athletic communications um, over in the athletic department was starting to stream other sports. And so I did the first field hockey game. I did, you know, the first soccer games that we ever broadcasted, all of that. And it just kind of, it kind of worked out. And I had a lot of friends on the field hockey team, so I was really excited, even though I didn't have a single clue what was going on. I still go, I go back every now and again, listen to some of those early ones, and I just cringe because it's like, it's really clear when you don't know if you're trying to do play-by-play for a sport that you don't understand. Yeah, that's field hockey for me, too fully understand that yeah and now i've gotten to the point after doing it for for 11 years that it's just it's second nature to me and people people are like how do you know so much about it and it's just like well i've been watching it for 13 years my dad likes to tell the story of my first field hockey game for nsn it was amherst against Keene state at amherst it was actually a terrible game it ended up nine nothing or something like that. And my dad texts me saying, this is the first field hockey game I've ever watched. And I told him that makes two of us. 
yeah, I mean, the, the, the first time I did a field hockey game, I didn't have any idea what to, you know, I had watched the games, but I didn't really know the terminology and, you know, and, and it was really obvious. And so after that game, I, you know, I said, I'm never going to do another game where I'm this far out of my element. So I, you know, I did some digging. I talked to the coach. I went online and just researched some basics. And, but I mean, again, there's, there's no, there's no substitute for doing it and just spending time with it. Uh, the only way you get good at something is by being bad at it first. Yeah. That's a good philosophy. So I got to be good at doing field hockey by being bad at doing field hockey. And the only reason I was good at hockey when I, or ice hockey, I should say, when I started was because I had been doing it in my living room since I was wearing diapers. What does your current job entail? So the coordinator of athletic communications is the title. Um, And it's, well, it, it's sort of in the athletic communications world, we have the uh, the joke that our job is simply, quote, other duties as assigned, end quote, which means a little bit of everything. Um, primarily, obviously, the broadcasting, but also social media, uh, game recaps, any graphics for um, whether it's social media or I make game programs for our home games for hockey, uh, game notes, um, statistics. Basically, anything that comes out of the athletic department that's consumable by fans or by media, we do. On the broadcast, how do students help you out and have any, over the course of your time there, expressed interest in doing play-by-play? Yeah, I mean, our student workers, um, I'm really, really lucky that I have had over my career, people in charge of our office, uh, whether it was when I was a student worker or even now, who are really interested in developing the workers that we have and making them better. And so our student workers, a lot of whom are athletes themselves, do all kinds of stuff, whether it's stream producing, for instance, with our webcasts, where they'll actually you know, update the score bugs or run commercials between periods or things like that, or make highlights for us for after the game to post on social media. And, and we do have actually a, a, a student who came in. He actually, and this, this kid is incredible. His name is Anthony. And he was at LaSalle College, which I think is now LaSalle University, just changed their name out near Boston, and commuted to AIC, driving an hour and a half each way to, to broadcast just because it was an opportunity. And he liked doing it so much, and he liked the school so much, he ended up transferring here. And so he does a lot of our volleyball, um, because I'm out, you know, obviously out on the turf with, with field hockey or with soccer, so he does volleyball, and uh, and it's phenomenal. It's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of fun to have somebody who's as enthusiastic about it. And in a lot of ways, he reminds me of me when I was that age, you know, just really passionate about it, wanting to do it, and willing to do whatever it takes to do it. and you need to have that in just about any walk of life, but especially this one. So you talked about doing the first road games. Now, how much do you get to travel for any sport? A, a lot. Um, and it's, it's part of, part of it's just me of my own volition going with the teams because we actually no longer have the radio station in our control. It's uh, been leased out to NPR, which is, you know, those are decisions made well above my pay grade and I'm not going to, not going to criticize anybody for for making any kind of a decision that's in the best interest of the school, but 
but my job requires me to do other stuff. And so I, tra- I travel with the teams that I'm assigned to that I work with um, just to do a better, you know, if you're writing a game recap, it's, it's way easier to write a good readable recap of a game that you've actually witnessed in person. Um, so for me, like, you know, any, because anybody can look at the box score, right? If you just want to know who scored, who scored the goals and at what time, just go look at like, why are you even reading the recap? Just go look at the box score. It's right there. You know, so you kind of want to bring it much in the same way as a broadcast. You want to bring it to life for the people who are going to be interested in it. Um, so that for me, is, it's a big part of it. But also for me, it's about being there for the student athletes. You know, I know how much work these guys put in, um, you know, whether it's our field hockey team or our lacrosse teams or soccer or track and field or ice hockey, like whichever sports I'm with, you know, showing them, hey, I'm willing to sit on a bus for two and a half hours to go in, sit in the rain and watch you play so that I can do a better job of covering you. It means something to them. And I think that's the most important thing is that, you know, you're providing a service for for them and their families. And it, and it really does make a difference in how how they perceive their experience because they know they've got somebody who really is interested in making sure that they have the best experience possible. How many sports do you call over the web stream? Uh, yes, <laughs> a lot. I do, I do or have done football, field hockey, volleyball, men's and women's soccer, men's and women's rugby, Occasionally do men's and women's basketball if we don't have hockey going on. Obviously, ice hockey, wrestling when we have home matches, which isn't very frequently. Um, men's and women's lacrosse, baseball, softball. So a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, people know me most as the ice hockey, field hockey, and lacrosse person, but but I will I will call any game. I'm, I like competition, and obviously the student athletes. I know all of them, and. You know, I want to see them play, so I'm already there. I might as well do it, and it's a lot of fun for me, and I, you know, I hope it's a lot of fun for the people who are watching. What's your favorite outside of hockey? This is this is a question that always gets me in trouble because it's one of the one of the things the coaches like to razz me is that they they always say, oh, you know, this is your favorite team. You don't, you know, you care about them, more, you know, and they're joking. Um, I don't, so I try not to have a favorite. Um, I mean, ice hockey is my favorite like sport to watch, period. But I think there's something special and unique about all of them. Um, you know, there's you know, there's different things, and and I enjoy all of it. And I mean, I don't think I could just pick one, even ice hockey, honestly. Like, like I I don't think that I necessarily have a favorite sport to call. There's there's things about each of them that I that I love and make them special. And it's sort of like asking. You know, asking a parent to pick their favorite kid. Well, if I asked my mom to pick my favorite kid, she'd say me because I'm the only child. But I get it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're lucky. I have I have two younger sisters. Um, so so my mom doesn't uh, doesn't get the luxury. Although she jokes that you know I'm being the oldest. She jokes that I'm the favorite because I'm the one who uh, least often asks her for money. <laughs> so that. But yeah, no, I I love all of them, and and that's why I travel with all of them. I. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up at five in the morning to get on a bus with our lacrosse team to go out to Syracuse or down to Long Island to play Lemoyne or Adelphi. And those two schools are, you know, always top three in the country, men's and women's 
And it's kind of like we know we're going to get popped. But it, to me, it's not about that. It's about supporting the student-athletes and being there for them and, you know, making the experience as good as we can make it. And then, hey, if we ever do pull off the upset, well, I'll, I'll be there and we'll have plenty of live coverage. Did you get to call AIC's win over St. Cloud State in the NCAA tournament? I did not. Um, I was there. I got to I got to do social media live right from the arena um, and do all kinds of cool stuff with it. I did not get to do the broadcast, but uh, you know that which is which is which is fine. I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to. There was nowhere for me to broadcast in terms of like where are we sending this out to? Um, and obviously ESPN has the right, so we weren't about to try to fight with the NCAA on that, you know, just, just getting to be there was, was enough. And, you know, seeing our logo next to St. Cloud and Ohio state and Denver and not, you know, just, Oh, look, it's AIC, but like seeing the four logos, all the same size as equals in that, in that building was, was more than like enough. It was one of the coolest moments that I've gotten to experience as uh, 13 years of doing this. Where was that? So that was in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Okay, that's what I thought. And it was at the arena that the Fargo Force... Yeah, uh, Shields. Yeah, at Shields. And one of our one of our players, Hugo Reinhardt, who was our captain this most recent season, actually played there in juniors. Um, so, you know, for him, it was a home game, which was, which was neat. Is that the furthest you've traveled for a game? No, um... Our conference for ice hockey includes... Oh, right, Air Force. Of course, I'm dumb. (laughs) Well, it's just, it's it's so... You don't think it because it's Atlantic hockey, right? And then there's a Colorado. It's like, was anybody looking at a map? But I I understand why Air Force is in our league. They want to be with Army. And there's prestige to the Air Force name. And hey, let's face it, they've pulled some pretty magical upsets of their own. I, I actually pointed out in our in our preview of the St. Cloud game that, you know, it, we know it can be done because Air Force just beat them last year. You know, the year prior, Air Force was the Atlantic hockey champion and they went in and they beat, they beat St. Cloud four to one. So it's, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't unprecedented. Yeah. I think Ferris State had also beat St. Cloud in the first round one year as well. Yeah. And, and if you actually, if you look at Atlantic hockey in the last, in the last 13 years that they've had an NCAA tournament, because obviously this year we didn't get to have one, Atlantic Hockey 7-7 seven and seven in the first round, and almost all of those wins are against the national number one. So this is, you know, at some point it ceases to be an upset. In your hockey play-by-play career, what is your favorite moment you've called? Favorite moment that I've called was my senior year, so 20, 2011. This was when we were still on the radio. We were the 12th seed. We were, you know, we were, I think we'd won five games, six games all year. But we went down to West Point, having been swept in the regular season, including in an outdoor game at Rentschler Field as part of the Whale Bowl, um, which was really cool in its own right. And we went down to Tate Rink and beat Army 6-3 to three to advance to the second round. And it was... You know, for me, obviously, personally, we hadn't won a playoff series in my four years, and that was my graduating class, my senior class, 
you know, kids that I was in classes with. And so to go in and not, you know, not just to win over a pretty solid Army team, but to score six times, um, that still, for me, is one of the most memorable games that I got to call down there. Um, you know, it, it, it's special. And then the, the two nights, the last two seasons that we clinched the regular season championships, um, both times on home ice, uh, once against Sacred Heart, once against Holy Cross, who were, you know, big rivals for us, local, relatively close. You obviously especially know Sacred Heart being from that area. Yes. So so those moments um, are are truly special. Um, you know, just because it's like, you know, you spend you spend so many seasons where we were averaging maybe six, seven wins a year if we were lucky, you know, to win twenty one games or 23 games the way we have the last two years it you know it's like this was all worth it like here we are we've we've reached the top of the mountain during the summer you are the statistician for a baseball team it was in the futures league last year i'm not sure if they still are because i know that league has done a bunch of shifting so besides that and you could expand on that as well yep what are some of the things you do that are not affiliated with aic so the Westfield Starfires is the team that you're referencing, and I can't even say that that's not affiliated with AIC. Part of the reason I jumped on board um, was that we had three of our players play there last summer, and the owner is an AIC alum who used to broadcast games with me. He came, uh, Donnie Morehouse, who does games for UMass and was a member of our 1990 ECAC2 uh, championship team, who is, you know just an awesome human being and one of those people that's good at everything he does kind of thing. You know, they started this team in the Futures League and, you know, I knew they would need some help because those teams are volunteer driven and in the summertime I don't necessarily have a lot to do. So I reached out to his son, Evan, who's now the director of hockey ops at Brown, I believe, um, who had been our Doho a couple of years back and said, hey, if you need a broadcaster or you need any kind of help, let me know. I'd be happy to be on board. And ended up doing stats for the team the whole year, and it was it was a lot of fun. We didn't win a lot of games. It was you know very much a first year team, but but you know we had Jack Fox break break the strikeouts record for the league, and we had the league's batting leader, and a lot of kids from the Northeast Ten Conference, which is AIC's home conference, and it was really really neat to you know be teammates quote-unquote, with a kid from Merrimack and a kid from Stonehill and just kind of get to just have fun in a no-stress environment where, you know, it's not, you know, it's it wasn't about money or anything like that. It was, hey, I'm going to enjoy this and it'll be something to do in the summertime because it's not necessarily, you know, a busy time of year for us. Okay, last question. Obviously, you have a great job and you seem to really love what you do and I have no doubt that you do but do you have any goals like in the back of your mind that you want to or think about aiming for there are a couple and and I mean obviously at some point I would love a shot at the NHL Um, but I understand obviously that there are only 31 teams and even with Seattle coming in and making it 32 it's the odds are long um and so I'm realistic about the chances of that ever happening and if it does happen I'm certainly going to jump on it 
But so for me, it's it's been tailored a lot to how can I make AIC better? How can I, what can I do to, you know, improve further, not only what I do, but what our department as a whole does. So I've, you know, I started this, this spring, obviously we didn't get to see it through to the end because the season got interrupted, but I started doing uh, some of the, some of the components of things that we do with the hockey team. We do a weekly, you know, series preview a video interview with one or two players, maybe a coach. I started doing that with some of the other teams. I did that with softball. I did that with women's lacrosse, um, two other teams that I'm responsible for. I'm going to be doing it, trying to do it with uh, field hockey and with the soccer teams in the fall. Just just trying to find new ways to get the message out there, promote our student-athletes, you know, and just improve my own skills, improve my video editing ability, improve – you know, anything that I can do to just make myself better at what I do so that I can be better for my alma mater and be better for the students that are there and make their experience as good as it possibly can. All right, Seth, that's all the questions I have. Thank you for doing this, and I hope to broadcast a game with you again sometime. Yeah, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we get to have a season this fall, and I'd certainly love to have you back. Uh, you know whether it's whether it's ice hockey or any other sport you're interested in. We're certainly uh, we certainly if we play, we will have a lot of games, and so I'd be happy to have you on. That was Seth Dusalt, American International Colleges Do Everything guy. Always great to talk to him, and thanks to him for coming on. Like Seth, I'm a big fan of longtime Hartford Whalers and Carolina Hurricanes radio announcer Chuck Caton. Although I don't have a signed poster of Caton. I have talked to him before over the phone, thanks to my writing job with Sports Broadcast Journal. He would definitely be fun to have in this podcast if I could get in contact with him again. Seth calls a lot of different sports and loves them all pretty much equally, which is good for him and something I'm trying to learn how to do myself. I did a number of different sports this year that I had never called before, and some I had barely even watched. I want to get to a point where I'm preparing the same way for each game, giving each game, no matter the sport, level, or matchup the proper amount of attention. Admittedly, I'm not there yet. It's something to work on in the future. That'll do it for episode 18 of A Shot and a Goal. You can follow me on Twitter at JakeBaskinPXP, J-A-K-E-B-A-S-K-I-N-P-X-P, or you can access the backlog of episodes at A Shot and a Goal. Episode 19 will feature our second American Hockey League guest, longtime Grand Rapids Griffins announcer Bob Kayser. He certainly didn't know me at the time of our interview, but I've got to tell you, Bob is one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. After that, we have Phil Jubileo, Nick Hart, Sebastian Goulet, and Ryan Holt. See you on Wednesday.